The following podcast contains strong language and frank discussions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody in Murderland. Why is Michael laugh? Michael's already <gasps> laughing. It's Joey and Mike. Murder amongst friends. Your number one top-rated, <laughs> internationally acclaimed true crime and humor podcast. <laughs> Way. <laughs> I mean, that is some. That is some. That's energy. an intro, man. Yeah, that is energy right out of the gate. Yeah, and Not I smoked. What I we're smoked known a little for. reefer. <laughs> so why am I so energetic? Making moves, kid. I'm making moves. Getting and I feel, agile. I feel, <laughs> I feel pretty good about it. Working on that body control. <laughs> yes, Otto. Michael with the in the windows. <laughs> nah. Okay. This new vendor okay. came into my Place job. Employ. Today. Yes. Where I am employed. Yeah. And that's where the real money comes from. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. And I wish I could, oh, this should be a video podcast. So he like walked in the front door. How like you would picture a cartoon swagger would walk in, like <clears throat> leaning back with his feet, like overly extended, like this sort of like hip slant. Let me see your hip swing. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. And he almost bangs into me and he goes, oh yeah, sorry about that. <clears throat> and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I so didn't know who he was. So he's Pepe Le Pew. I didn't know who he was. Right? He had this like deep voice, whatever. He was like, oh, sorry about that. And I was like, whatever, bro. <laughs> um, so then I go in the back, and one of my coworkers is there. We'll call him Mo. <clears throat> um, so he's back there, right? And uh, he's talking to this kid, and then he goes, yeah, upstairs, whatever. The kid sees me. We both recognize, like, oh, I guess we kind of bo- – he doesn't work there, but, like, yeah. oh, we both kind of, like, work here, whatever. And he, like, saunters – like upstairs he saw and i said to mo i go what's with fucking captain swaggy like i was like what's with fucking captain swagger and he's like yeah he must be new and i said he's not like a rapid boil and i need you to simmer down captain wax barrel yeah really take it down like five six notches (laughs) gonna need you to take about 25 percent off there chief right you know, Squirrely Dan, like he was just so fucking swaggy, but for like no reason. He wasn't dressed in like swaggy clothes. We're in a warehouse essentially hey. in the back. Like this dude's like swagging. Like you'd see like a cartoon where the point of view is like, now we're going to get real fucking film school technical, but like point of view is coming from the cement. Yeah. And so you're looking at the feet coming at you. So yeah, the legs the, look overextended. The giant stretch. bell bottoms, those cartoons. Right. Yes. That, that's how he was walking in real life. Anyway, I digress. I know everyone loves Not my normally. digressions. Oh my god, that's new for me. Well, there's definitely a recommends that we're going to talk about before mm-hmm. we jump into the story, and mm-hmm. that is Jury Duty. The, we did mention it last time. Yes, but now it's concluded, so it's... Uh, it's so amazing. Yes. I love it. It is definitely worth the, I wanna the get time. It, I want to get a hold of Ronald and be like, we shouted you out on the podcast. I bet you he's on Instagram. Oh, gotta be. Must be. Gotta be. I'm gonna look him up as soon as we get the fuck. I don't know. Well, what? Yeah, I'm gonna look him up when we get off here. I was gonna do it right now, but. Electric radio to look up something on your phone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if we were doing video podcasts, Mike, then it wouldn't be a problem, would it? I know how much you love you in front of the camera. Yeah. Wouldn't be a problem for you. Oh, my God. I love being in front of the camera. Put me on a TV show. I don't know. Hey, 
I should be on TV. Yes. I don't know what the fuck everybody out there is waiting for, but somebody get me on the screen, please. Pedro Pascal, if you're listening. Yeah. Jose Pedro Balmasita Pascal, if you're listening and you want to be my future ex-husband, number two, um, hit me up. But yeah, put me on the screen, man. You know? I'm photogenic when I want to be. <laughs> Not right now. Well. But. When you want to be. When I want to be. Yeah. Any other updates or things that we want to no. mention? We may, I may start trying to do little semi-video updates. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. And start throwing those up on the old Instagram and maybe my TikTok. We'll see. Oh, boy. But that might be something that's now coming down the Now we're talking too, too young. I don't understand these things. What is the, the, the tickery-talkery? <laughs> What is that clock app? What is that? Is it the TikTok clock? Is it a foretelling time? <laughs> no, Grandad. Is it a metronome application? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Michael. Yes. Yes, Pop. Put it near your abacus. <laughs> Don't worry. Gee, thanks. Mm. Well, this story this week kind of got away from me a little bit. So okay. it's uh, on the longer side a little bit. Michael, generally succinct. So we'll uh, we'll jump in. This is a story that's been in my head for a while. Oh God, um, I can just imagine. Then I've heard it. I heard it the first. I don't know, eight nine years ago, something like that. Yeah. And it's just always kind of stuck with me. It is, I would say, middle well known. So it's not like a Bundy or Gacy right. heavy hitter, but it's not like it's not the guy down. It's the not yeah. It's not Osterike that most people wouldn't have come across. Right. This is the story of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. Mm, it's a duo. Do you know these people? I don't know. Okay. It's like Names a Leopold and Loeb kind of yes. duo. Names aren't familiar. We'll see if the story right. rings any bells. <laughs> you can ring my bell, baby. The story of these two scumbags is so gross. Oh, God. Don't start it off like that. All right. I'll tell you now that there's a lot more information out there about these two than I'm going to cover here, and okay. it's still on the long side, and I left a lot out, but let's start at the beginning. Okay. Leonard Lake was born in San Francisco on October 29th, 1945, and Charles Ng was born in Hong Kong, which was still then under British control, on December 24th, 1960. How did two people born 15 years and half a world apart end up meeting and committing a horrific string of tortures, rapes, and murders. L.A.? You guessed it. <laughs> the U.S. Marine Corps. Oh, shit. Before we get there, though. The U.S. Marine Corps? He's boy, He was born in Hong Kong. We'll get there. Okay. Before we get there, though, when we talk about serial killers, we have to talk about their childhoods. Mm. Lake was six years old when his parents separated, and he and his sisters moved in with their maternal grandmother. It is said that Lake was a smart kid with an interest in photography. Okay. His favorite subject, though, was his sisters, no. who he would habitually photograph naked, apparently egged on by his grandmother. What? I don't quite understand what? that relationship. Unsurprisingly. No, thank you. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, Lake, Lake became obsessed with pornography. Oh, <laughs> he, no shit. He also got into the business of extortion early, basically blackmailing his sisters in exchange for sexual favors. A sextortion. Yes. Great. As if that wasn't enough, 
Lake also liked to capture mice and kill them by tossing them in chemicals to dissolve them okay. alive. Okay. So he's rendering mice. Yes. Um, he's... <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. Michael. We're 30 seconds in. Yeah. We're on page one still. <laughs> <laughs> okay. After high school, Lake enlisted in the Marines and served two tours of duty in Vietnam as a radar technician. Which I'm sure didn't fuck up his psyche <laughs> at all. It was during his service that he was first diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. Right. Had what the army called a, quote, delusional breakdown in Da Nang and was medically discharged. I was going to say, and then they sent him on the second tour. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, da Nang was a very fucked up place to be during the war. Um, you should look that up if you're interested in history at all. But a delusional breakdown in Da Nang is not crazy yeah it's not uh it's not rare it was uh, yeah, not uncommon yes meanwhile ing was the youngest of three children and the only son his father was a wealthy businessman and routinely abused young charles like physically yes or... physically as ing grew into a teenager he was described as a troubled loner and kept getting expelled from multiple schools probably from being beaten at home well yeah. He was arrested at the age of 15 for shoplifting, and his dad shipped him off to boarding school in England. Okay. It didn't take long for Ing to get expelled from there as well for stealing from other students. <laughs> Dude, you're rich. Knock it the fuck off. He was just as quickly sent back to Hong Kong. <laughs> Welcome to England. Get yeah, back bye. to Hong Kong. In 1978... Well, they're not <laughs> super welcoming of... It's true. Outsiders, but... In 1978, Ng entered the United States on a student visa to study biology at the College of Notre Dame. Okay. Not the real one. This one in Belmont, California. Okay. But I dropped, didn't know that you could do that, but okay. <laughs> but <clears throat> dropped out after only one semester. Well, at least he didn't get kicked out. It wasn't long after dropping out that Ng was involved in hit and run. <laughs> and to avoid being prosecuted... He enlisted in the Marines. Okay, no. How is he enlisting if he's not a citizen of the country? Ing claims that a recruiting sergeant falsified documents saying that he was born in Bloomington, Indiana, so Why he could they, enlist. Are they that hard up for yeah, people? They, they just bodies. fucking lie? Yeah. Okay. Whether that actually happened or he lied or something, that's his version of events. But more than likely, paperwork got falsified You're going to tell somewhere. me a kid that, don't take this the wrong way, was born in Hong Kong. Yeah. You're going to tell me that in the, what, in the 60s? 70s. So this is in the 70s now because he was yeah. born in 1960, right? 62, yeah. whatever. This is 78 when he entered on that, the visa. This, the, the army goes, he looks like he was born in Indiana. Is that? Who knows? <laughs> did we have many Hong Kong, like immigrants into the country at that time and also would they go to fucking indiana does anybody go to indiana? <laughs> does anybody even live in indiana like do people live in indiana <laughs> jesus christ a lot of corn a lot of yeah yeah is there anybody there or is it just fields and cows and shit <laughs> mostly cows mostly cows and shit ing was a marine for less than a year <laughs> before he was court-martialed yeah for stealing weapons from the armory from the base where he was stationed in Hawaii. He's got sticky fingers, Michael. He sure does. <laughs> My goodness. He's uh, not so sticky himself because Ng escaped custody in 1980 
fled to Northern California, and met Leonard Blake. Uh, okay. After being medically discharged, but before meeting Ng, Blake moved to San Jose, enrolled in San Jose State University, but dropped out also after a single semester. Okay, but why is he pursuing higher education His... and then he just keeps quitting? Well, this this is the other one. They both now have quit after just one semester. But Lake's reason, what was his reason for leaving? He wanted to be a hippie. Okay. That... He moved to I'm a quitting. commune. I'm quitting this university, mom and dad. I'm going to be a professional hippie. Yeah. He moved to a commune in San Francisco and married a woman in 1975. <laughs> that marriage didn't last long after his wife discovered Lake was making and appearing in amateur porn. <laughs> It was the summer of love, bitch. Typically involving... Hippies, free love, man. What did she think she was getting herself into? She lives in a fucking commune. Don't tell me they're not all having sex, Michael. Well, the porn typically involved bondage and sadomasochism, which I guess she wasn't... Well, maybe that's not her... She wasn't so That's not her bag, man. Even after the divorce, Lake lived at the Greenfield Ranch for eight years. The ranch was a 5,600-acre settlement. Holy crap. Described as a, quote, back-to-the-land kind of community <laughs> that was north of Ukiah, California. So, Oh, the, no, Ukiah yeah. <laughs> is where Stephen yeah. came from. You're right. I can't think of his last name. Captive audience. Why can't I think of his last name? Stainer. There you go. Steven Stainer. There we go. I was trying to think of Carrie's last name, too. Yeah. I'm like, shit. Yeah, that's what they took him. He lived right near Ukiah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Everybody stay the fuck away from Ukiah, California. <laughs> Sorry, anybody who lives there, but fuck that, please. It was at the ranch that he eventually met and married a woman named Clara Lynn Balaz, who apparently went by the nickname Cricket. Okay. Okay. Clara Lynn. Mm, okay. I have just an idea in my head of why they call her cricket, but I will let that go. Oh. This is not the platform. Clara that. Lynn ended up appearing in many of Lake's porn movies. <laughs> it was during this time that Lake also began. <laughs> Lake, and, Lake and Cricket Productions. Yes. <laughs> cricket Lake Productions. It was during this time that Lake also began fearing an impending nuclear holocaust, oh, Jesus which started him on the project of constructing a bunker on the grounds of the ranch. So he lives in a commune, a.k.a. a cult. Yeah. However, the owner of the property found out about the construction and <laughs> ordered it stopped. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was God. the commune, okay, but, but he wasn't doing it at the behest of the community. He was doing it himself. Okay, couldn't he have said, like, uh, this is, like, for everybody's benefit, guys? Looking out for you all. Didn't work. Guys. If, if that's what he did, it didn't work. Lake's growing paranoia, his military background, and his back-to-the-land lifestyle yeah. obviously means he was into survivalist magazines. Oh, God. He's my ex-boyfriend. This is how he and Charles Ng would actually meet. Le- Lake placed an ad... What exactly that ad said isn't known, weirdly. Weirdly? How but can you not have a record Ng of that? responded, and the two found a kinship. We're going to have to... Hey, if anybody wants to create a mock ad of what it might have said for these two loony birds to get together and form some kind of 
companionship, yeah. uh, email us at mafpodcastshow@gmail.com. Nice, nicely done. Thank you. In 1982, Lake and Ing share a mobile home in Ukiah, but that is the year that the feds raid the place, seizing a large stash of illegal weapons and explosives. Oh, I thought you were going to say marijuana. No. My favorite Nothing plant. so pedestrian. <laughs> Lake was released on bond, jumped bail, and hid out at a secluded cabin owned by Clara Lynn. Ing was sent back to the Marines, since he was technically AWOL, pleaded guilty <laughs> to theft and desertion charges, served 18 months in the stockade in Leavenworth, and was dishonorably discharged in 1984. Okay. I mean, I guess as you should be if you yeah. jump ship there. After his release from Leavenworth, Ing rejoined Lake, who was still living at the cabin. By then, Lake and Clara Lynn had divorced, but remained on good terms. <laughs> She's like, it's not my cup of tea, what yeah. you do behind closed doors or I'm just nay tired in of front of the camera. Yeah. But you know what? We can still be friends. Knock yourself out, man. Well, next to the cabin, uh, yeah. Lake had built a structure described in his journals as a, quote, dungeon. Before Ing's arrival... Lake is believed to have already murdered his brother Donald, whom he lured to the cabin and shot in his sleep in 1983, and his friend and best man, Charles Gunner. Gunner would be one of several identities Lake would steal over the next year. Oh, good. In that time frame, Lake and Ng began a pattern of rape, torture, and murder. Of the people on the commune? Or just in general? Other people. Okay. (laughs) Leonard Lake and Charles Ng are confirmed to have murdered at least 11 people, and based on evidence, it's possible they killed as many as 14 more. That'd be 25. Holy crap. This whole thing can annoyingly be traced back to a book, specifically a book called The Collector, written by John Foles. In that book, the main male character captures a woman named Miranda keeps her as his prisoner, and hopes that she will eventually fall in love with him. <laughs> uh, P.S. Guys, <laughs> don't fucking do that shit. Because um, she won't. Miranda yeah. will fucking hate you. And at the first opportunity, we'll slit your fucking throat <laughs> if she gets the chance. Lake and first, that's a PSA. <laughs> Lake first read this book in 1963 and was obsessed with it ever since. Great. He would call his crime spree Operation Miranda. No! Just, just for a little extra douchebag. Ew! What a real fucking grot. Yeah. Here are... Uh, this is a list of the known victims of Operation Miranda. Okay. December 1982. Army veteran Donald Blake was 32, was living with his mother Gloria in San Francisco when his brother stopped by on a road trip up north and asked Donald to come along. For the I mean, rest of Jesus the road trip. Christ. Donald was described as a very nice gentleman by acquaintances, but Leonard treated him terribly when they were growing up and even referred to him as a, quote, leech in conversations with his ex-wife, Clara Lynn. Donald was never seen again after he got picked up by Leonard. And, and what was his brother's fucking excuse to his parents or where their other son went to? His mother reported him missing. Leonard also kind of disappeared, but resurfaced New Year's Day, 1983, to rent a room in a house in Golden Gate Park under Donald's name. Come on! No one's keeping track of this stuff! 
Guess not. I mean, it's 1983. May 22nd, 1983, four months later, Lake moved in with his friend Charles Gunner, who was 36. Gunner was a former postman and drama coach from Morgan Hill, who was best man at Lake's wedding, as I mentioned before. They had a lot in common, as they both valued survival skills and the weaponry world. Great. On May 22nd, Lake invited Gunner to go on a road trip to Vegas or Lake Tahoe, one of the two, for rest and relaxation after his divorce. A little R&R, man. Gunner left his two daughters with a babysitter. A couple of days later, Lake returned alone in Gunner's van and told the babysitter that Gunner ran off with a woman. He was I never just deserted his yeah. kids. Oh, was, okay. oh, sure. He was never seen again. Sure. April 1984, Jeffrey D. Askren was 30 of Sunnyvale, California, vanished uh, in April. His late model Honda was found a few days later in the West Point area near Lake's house. Shout out to Hondas. <laughs> July 11th, 1984, Donald Guletti was 36, a radio personality from San Francisco, spending time in his apartment expecting a visitor. Guletti was an openly gay man who lived with another man named Richard Carraza. Guletti placed a personal ad in a low-key newspaper <laughs> offering to give oral sex to straight men. Oh. Well, sometimes you got to dip your toe in, Michael, see how you like the waters. That night, a stranger knocked on the door, and Guletti assumed it was someone taking him up on his offer. Mm-hmm. As soon as he opened the door, though, a man whipped out a pistol and shot him in the head at close range. Jesus Christ! Yeah. He didn't even make it inside! Carraza ran from the back room into the study and found Guletti on the floor. Carraza was also immediately shot in the chest and left for dead. The shooter fled, but Carraza survived. Okay, good. He called 911, and when the police questioned him, he was able to give a description of the shooter. Carraza described being shot by a small Chinese man wearing prescription glasses, (laughs) and he would later go on to identify Charles Ng as the shooter. Okay. July 25th, 1984. Harvey Dubs was 29. Deborah Dubs... 33 and sean dubs was one no they lived in san francisco harvey was selling video equipment in july of that year and placed an ad in a local newspaper deborah was speaking on the telephone to a friend on july 25th when the doorbell rang at the family's apartment deborah told her friend that she had to end the conversation as two men who were interested in the items that were for sale had arrived at the home deborah harvey and sean Never heard from again. No, what? One of the Dubs family's neighbors saw an Asian man leave their residence with a box later in the day. If the, you tell me he took the baby. The same neighbor observed an unidentified vehicle drive away from the Dubs' apartment on July 26th, the day after the family disappeared. The neighbor attempted to follow that car, but she lost the vehicle in traffic. A man identifying himself as, quote, Jim Bright, called Harvey's employer shortly afterward and claimed that the family had moved to Washington. Oh, and the, who are you, sir? I would have said, uh, the, excuse me, Jim? <laughs> Jim? Who are, the fuck are you? The unidentified man terminated the conversation when Harvey's employer became suspicious. Oh, okay. At least people are like, hey, hey at least the neighbor was like looking out, yeah. tried to follow them Chased and shit. Them, yeah. Like, you know, the, the employer's like, I don't think this sounds credible. Yeah. A receipt in Harvey Dubs' name was discovered at Lake's compound, but the family's remains have never been recovered. 
It is believed that the Dubses were forcibly abducted from their home and murdered at the ranch. Videotape equipment from the Dubses' San Francisco home was found in the cabin. Bro, I would have just given it to you. <laughs> if, you if you want the video equipment that yeah. bad, just have it. Don't kill my baby. Yeah. You fucking pieces of shit. So this is some of the details that I didn't include, but they there were instances and this is the estimated stuff so some of those other bodies that they would take whole families immediately kill the men and the kids and then keep the women around oh as a as yeah. a slave right. sex slave like right. a miranda a miranda and then until they couldn't take it anymore and then they would kill them um so that's this isn't an outlier situation this dubs yeah situation October 1984, Randy Jacobson was 36, uh, also from San Francisco. He disappeared from the Haight-Ashbury rooming house, from his Haight-Ashbury rooming house, after becoming involved in a business deal with Lake. Don't do that. (laughs) November 2nd, 1984, Paul Cosner was 40, last seen in San Francisco. He was employed as a used car dealer at the time of his disappearance. His gold or orange 1980 Honda Prelude disappeared with him. And this car is going to become very important. Great. So remember Honda it. Honda Prelude. Cosner had advertised the vehicle for sale in a local paper and told his fiance that he had found a potential buyer whom he described as weird. Well, what? Come on, people. <laughs> Trust your guts. Like, 100%. If he... I got off the phone and I said, I think I'm going to go meet this guy to like buy a car from yeah. him but he sounded really weird would so you be like get in the car with yeah, him you'd be like that sounds good see you yeah. later maybe hope it works out yeah. for you you'd be like you're not fucking going no Are you crazy he said he was leaving his apartment at 7 30 p.m to meet the buyer and would re- return by eight uh to watch a particular show with his wife okay. or fiance rather he was never heard from again well, where are they putting all these bodies You'll find out. Oh. <laughs> July 20th, 1985, Clifford Parento was 23, employed at a moving company in San Francisco. Witnesses told authorities that he often argued with one of his coworkers, Charles Ng. <laughs> Parento was last seen in San Francisco on J- January 20th, never been heard from again. Several of his personal belongings were discovered shortly afterward in an apartment owned by Ng, as well as in the cabin. trophies will undo you every time February 24th 1985 Jeff Gerald was 25 also last seen in San Francisco never heard from again he worked by day with Ng as a mover and spent evenings playing drums for the band Crash and Burn he vanished in February after saying he was going to help Ng move never heard from again people just fucking just disappear okay okay uh, please all these people are just going missing like they yes. bopped off the face of the earth yes. right their families must i would have to assume be contacting the police yep how are the police not figuring that these same people because everybody's right. given descriptions and all yep. this other stuff maybe they're the same people and like look into who they might be and then link them all together yep no <laughs> am i crazy <laughs> It's the 80s, man. It's Reagan's America. Yeah, great. 
April 12th through the 19th, 1985. In San Francisco on April 12th, Kathleen Allen, 18, her boyfriend, Michael Carroll, 23, uh, were spending time in a motel room where they were temporarily living. At 10 p.m., Carroll told Allen that he had to do something and he would be back in the morning. Let me guess. <laughs> never to be heard from again. Well, never returned. Okay. A few days later, Kathleen received a phone call at work. The caller told her that her boyfriend, Michael, may have been involved in a shooting. Oh, no. He did the, he did she, the shooting or she, he was shot? Well. We don't know. Yeah. She immediately told her boss that she had to leave. She was last seen meeting a bearded man in the parking lot of the Safeway where she worked. Lake, right? Okay. Yeah. Great. She got into the car and was never seen again. Stop getting in cars with strangers. Yeah. She appeared in a videotape found at Lake's home, and her last paycheck was sent to the town next to the cabin. <laughs> oh, get out of my face. Michael Carroll was also mentioned on one of the videotapes, and his driver's license was found in the cabin as well. This cabin yeah. is a treasure trove. Yes. Of murder artifacts. I mean, he built his own dungeon, so... Yeah. <sighs> April 19th, 1985. Robin Scott Stapley, 26, went by his middle name, so we'll call him Scott. Scotty. Also from San Francisco. With Lonnie Bond Sr., 27, and his living girlfriend, Brenda O'Connor, was 19, and their son, Lonnie Bond Jr., was 2. No. <laughs> Lonnie Sr. and O'Connor disliked their neighbor, Leonard Lake. Because he's fucking a murderer and whom, a rapist. Whom they described was, quote, extremely obnoxious, rude, and demented. Demented, even. Yeah. Lake constantly fired weapons on his property, and O'Connor felt really uncomfortable with him because he would not stop asking her to pose naked for him. Oh, my God. Can I just tell you? Yeah. So when I worked... <laughs> God. When I worked for the lawyer... Yeah. Um, there was... We were... We sort of joined an office that was already existing, but she was, like, autonomous. Yeah. Basically. Okay. So there was, like an HR administrator lady that worked there and that's all I have to say if you picture her in your head you already <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to describe her but yeah. you already know what she looks like yeah okay and everybody out there just picture your HR administrator lady and you know who I'm talking about um, in your head and she was sort of like I don't want to say like hippy dippy but she kind of wore like the loose flowy yeah. okay okay yeah. great so her husband was like <laughs> steampunk like like that type of yeah. dude. And he was also a photographer. Ah. And so we all went to, I never met this man in my life. <clears throat> okay. We all went to, I forget what restaurant, some fancy restaurant for like our Not Christmas that. dinner, or like uh -huh. whatever, like Christmas, yeah. you know, party. Yeah. And I somehow get seated. My boss is to my immediate left and she's, she's a little tipsy. I'm a little tipsy, whatever. And then to my like immediate right is this chick's husband and then the chick yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And HR person. No this guy, I, I'm telling <laughs> you, and this guy kept asking me like over and over again, like this was before I had done any pinup and stuff. Yeah. Um, he was like, Oh, you'd be really 
you have like that look of like a pinup, like suicide girl, like pinup. And I was like, mm, those are a little different, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, you should let me like shoot you and this and that. And I'm like, is this guy really a fucking photographer? Whatever. <laughs> so after dinner, he's like, oh, let me show you like some of my work. So he pulls up his phone uh, and it's like, do I know what's coming? Already? It's like legit. Yeah. Just pictures of chicks, like naked, topless, like they, I mean, they looked like they were empowered in the, you know, they, they look like they wanted to be there and stuff, yeah. but I'm like, A, I don't know you. Sir. I work with your wife. <laughs> yeah. B, I've never met you <laughs> besides three right minutes now. ago. Right you're now. trying to entice me to photograph me <laughs> and you're implying. Wow. Naked, yeah. nude, nakedness, which I'm not, I don't have a problem with, but I'm not going to do it with this guy. Right. And then, and then you thought it was appropriate to then show, like, you didn't show me pictures of, like, who are you, Kanye? A girl in a field. Yeah. You know, like, holding up a baby or, like, spinning around with some daisies in her hair yeah. or, like, something. <laughs> like, you went right for it. Straight for the girls. And they were, like, such shitty quality pictures. Yeah. It was like, he had like a like a Sears backdrop, like just a gray, like or whatever. You know what I mean? And the girl was just like standing in front of it. We or can like, do mountain or old west. Yeah, like really weird shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And I was like, no, I'm all set, dude. And then I told my boss. Yeah. And she went fucking nuts. Yeah. She went like fucking nuts. That's ridiculous. She like pulled them both aside and like gave them like a talking to. I was mortified. I was like. He should be mortified. 30. I was like 30. Like I was a grown woman and my boss yeah. is like pulling them aside, giving them a talk to like I'm her like daughter. Yeah. It was anyway. So that's just mm -mm, no. <laughs> no. On April 19th, 1985, Scott was present when Lonnie Sr. decided to confront Lake and none of them were ever seen again. <laughs> okay. County Come Sheriff on. Claude Ballard said investigators believe O'Connor appeared in a videotape in which she was forced at gunpoint to perform sex acts. Yeah. What do you mean you believed you, you uh, it happened? Yeah. They can't, I guess, positively identify that it was her. Like but that it it's very, her, but... But it very much looks it's, like her. It's... Yeah. It's... Okay. Let's cut the shit. All right. For so much carnage inflicted, these two were obviously remarkably stupid. On June 2nd, 1985, Charles Ng got them busted. While in a hardware store in San Francisco, Ng was seen stealing a vice. Oh, Jesus Christ. The police were called, but the employee who saw the theft decided to confront Ng before they arrived. Ng tossed the stolen item into the trunk of a 1980 Honda Prelude. Prelude. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. That was in the parking lot, then took off on foot. Do they keep the same fucking plates and everything, these idiots? Well. Okay. <laughs> Once the police got there, a few minutes later, they looked in the trunk, saw the vice, but also a twenty-two caliber pistol with an illegal silencer attached. Ooh. Lake, who had returned to the store to attempt to pay the $75 for the vice, tried to assure everyone that there was just a misunderstanding. <laughs> My friend is from Hong Kong. He yes. doesn't speak the English. But he was arrested for possession of the illegal weapon. Right. It was also noted that Lake looked nothing like the ID that he provided officers. <laughs> yeah. Of his friend fucking, uh, was his name Wag Wagner? No, what was his name? Gunner. Gunner? No. The one that was like his best man? Yeah, Gunner. Oh, Gunner. Okay. Yeah. 
uh, police were gifted quite a bit by way of evidence. Lake handed over Lake handed over the license of Robin Scott Stapley. The Honda Prelude was registered to Paul Cosner. The license plate on the car yeah. was registered to Lonnie Bond. No. And the gun was also registered to Scott. Oh, my gosh. So, like. They just had. Yeah. Wow. They, they were trying connected to throw people, all the right. dots They were for trying the to cops. throw people off. But it made. Well, thank every, God, it, because the cops weren't right. doing it. It implicated them even more. Yeah. While in custody, Lake admitted his real identity. And that of his accomplice, Charles Ng. He then asked for a pencil, a piece of paper, and a glass of water. <sighs> Any predictions as to what he's about to do? He's either going to... Oh, man. I can't wait for you to be wrong and be so mad at the real answer. He's he's going to write a list. Check it twice. Everybody that he's killed. He's going to draw a map. Okay. To either the location or the cabin. He's going to write a note to Charles Ng and ask the fucking officer, can you pass this to my buddy like we're in high school? Yeah. You know, he's going to make it like a football and try to kick it through the door <laughs> over the over the barrier and see if he can get it over the there. Transom. Yeah. Uh, or Ode to Murder. Left alone in an interrogation room. If you tell me he draws naked chicks. Lake wrote a note to his ex-wife, <laughs> then swallowed a cyanide capsule he had sewn into his jacket. What a bitch. <laughs> Little bitch. Lake was rushed to nearby Kaiser Hospital, but died four days later on bitch. June 6, nineteen eighty. Cowardly little bitch. Yeah. You bitch. Yeah. Cyanide. Ugh. While Lake's... Well, he probably had that from being in the military. Yeah. Because they got that in that little pocket. Isn't yeah. that what that's fucking for? Yeah. Yeah. If you're captured or whatever, Behind they tell you lines. to fucking take cyanide pill. Yeah. So you don't get tortured and yeah. shit. While Lake still clung to life in the hospital, police rapidly began their investigation. On June 4th, San Francisco police detectives and county sheriff investigators searched the cabin with Clara Lynn's permission. In one of the bedrooms... They discovered the video equipment belonging to Harvey Dubs. They also found vehicles registered to Stapley and Bond. And, of course, they found the dungeon. In a makeshift burial site nearby. I really hope when they went in that dungeon, they were suited and booted. Gross. Police unearthed roughly 40 pounds of burned and crushed human bone fragments corresponding to a minimum of 11 bodies oh no so that's what they How were doing the with the bodies they... they were burning them grinding, grinding them, them and burying them, just... them. Oh, my god two bodies later identified as bond and stapley had been gagged and executed by gunshots to the head police also found you were a little ahead of the game a hand-drawn treasure map oh god leading them to two buried five-gallon buckets why are you leaving maps for yourselves, guys? If you buried somebody and you fucking leave them out there. <laughs> well, how what are you, you going to go back for? Well, to visit and no! reminisce. No, but that's not what was in these buckets, though. This wasn't victims. One contained an assortment of ID papers I was and say, personal tell me it's possessions, like all the... okay. suggesting that the total victim count could be as high as twenty-five. Oh no! In the other were Lake's handwritten journals for the years 1983 and 1984. 
Oh and, my God, I'd love to get my hands on those. And two videotapes documenting the torture of Brenda O'Connor. Do not want to see those. Deborah Dubs. No. In one of the tapes, Ng is seen telling Brenda, quote, you can cry and stuff like the rest of them, but it won't do any good. We are pretty cold-hearted, so to speak. Ugh. Fuck you, guy. How about that? In the other, Deborah is shown being assaulted so severely that she, quote, could not have survived. <sighs> Meanwhile, after fleeing the hardware store on foot, Ng found his way back to Clara Lynn's house and told her that he needed to get out of town and right quick. She drove him to the airport, where Ng caught a flight to Chicago under the, ma- under the name Mike Komodo. I'm not, I'm not taking the bait, but... Why isn't she questioning if he, if you came running into my abode? Yeah, frantic. Yeah, and you're like, I need to ride to the air. I need to ride to the airport really quick. Uh, I gotta get out of town. I'd be, be like, like, well, the airport's like right over there. Just I'd be walk. like, I am not. What is going on here? And I'm not driving. <laughs> and I'm not calling you, you Mike Komodo anywhere. And you can forget. This dumb fucking made-up name. You're trying to be cool, and we've talked about this in the past many a time. A friend picked him up in Chicago and drove him to Detroit, and from there, he crossed into Canada. Ing didn't stay hidden for long. He just couldn't help himself. So he just go around stealing shit. On July 6, 1985, Calgary police arrested Ing after he shot a security guard named Sean Doyle in the hand while he was resisting arrest for trying to steal a can of salmon from a department store. What? First of all, why? <laughs> There's so much wrong with that sentence. There is a, that's a okay, lot. Okay. That's a lot. Why? Uh, what? Would you buy salmon from a department? You go to JCPenney and there's a tin of salmon? Well, Are you buying that? I guess, I guess if we consider like a Walmart department store, that kind of place. Is it though? <laughs> is yeah. it though? I don't know. Also, don't buy a bird salmon. Dove Goodman's had food. Don't buy salmon in a can. Well, it's the same as tuna in a can. I don't. I don't. I don't. Like, I don't consider it the same. But I don't that's like any of this. Yeah. Also, where did he get the gun? Oh, I guess he just took it from he wherever. It. Yeah. What did he shoot the security guard in his hand? The security guard went stop. He put his hand out. Yeah. And then he shot him through the hand. Yes. I don't like the sentence. There's too many things. Yes. Messing with me. Ooh. Hit the mic. Not me. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> so in a window. <clears throat> he was charged and in December 1985 convicted of shoplifting, assault with a weapon, and possession of a concealed firearm, which is totally legal in fucking Florida. If you're now. trying to uh, get away from troubles, yeah, don't <laughs> invite more yeah. troubles. I mean, he was obviously a kleptomaniac. He could not help himself. Um. So he was convicted on those counts and was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. Mm-hmm. All the while, mm-hmm. California wanted him back to stand trial for the copious murders that took place at the cabin. Right. Especially since Lake dicked his way out of it. Right. After serving his Canadian sentence, Ng remained incarcerated pending the extradition request from California. Ng fought extradition on the grounds that he was set to face the death penalty in California, which would be a violation of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Okay, I was just going to ask you that because I was going to say, I don't think they're going to send him back to get zapped. 
a habeas corpus petition and an appeal to the Alberta Court of Appeals were both denied. On September 26, 1991, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled by a vote of four to three against Ng. According, so they shipped him back. According to former Alberta prosecutor Scott Newark, Canada deported Ng to California 18 minutes after the ruling. They wanted him they gone. gone. Here's my question. What if yes. you're, you committed a murder and you're in Canada? Yeah. And I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. extradite this MFR back here and we're going to sling him up. And Canada goes... You have no jurisdiction of that. Canada, Canada goes, what do you mean? You killed somebody in America. Oh. You went okay. on the lam okay, in yes. Canada. Yes. You're hiding I thought out. you said I killed no. somebody in Canada. Okay. Yes. You killed someone. Yes. You're in Canada. Went to Canada, yes. Right. Okay. Uh, I go, yeah, we're going to fucking kill him. So just send him back here. And they go, no. no. And then I go, I okay, I won't kill him. And then... They send you back. Yeah. And then we fucking kill you. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Because that would violate the extradition yeah. treaty. And then what? Violate. The U.S. government goes on trial? I don't, I don't what? know. The U.N. probably would have to step in at that point. Then what? Sanction us? I, what are you going to do? Give me a fine? Probably. And then the government can just bail me out of it? Yeah. Like they bail out every other fucking motherfucker except for their citizens? Well, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I just went on a tangent. Sorry about that, guys. Also, Medicare for all. Go ahead. Ng was facing 12 counts of first-degree murder uh, in California, but managed to change, or in the county where the cabin was, sorry, but managed to win a change of venue down to Orange County. After that, probably feeling emboldened that he won right. a change of venue, he initiated a protracted series of pretrial motions. He sued the state over his temporary detainment at Folsom Prison, where he was caught hiding maps, fake IDs, and other escape utensils. Okay, so what? <laughs> this guy. Okay. He filed challenges against four of the judges assigned to his case. Good luck with that. He lodged a series of complaints regarding the strength of his eyeglasses, the temperature of his food, and his right to practice origami Sir, in his jail cell. You're not at the Hilton. <laughs> you're in fucking jail because in... you're a murderer. Yeah. Ng went through a total of 10 attorneys, some of whom ended up defending him a second time. No. He's like, hello, I'm your client, Charles Ng. You're fired. No. Okay, hello, I'm your your client again. He also filed a malpractice suit against several of the attorneys, citing incompetent representation. After claiming that he had lost trust and confidence in all of his lawyers, he was allowed to represent himself. Oh, yes. This is going to be a fucking train wreck. Which delayed the trial another year while he researched applicable laws. Right. Of course. As you would if you were if you were yeah. uh, dedicated to yeah. defending your client, Michael. Yeah. Due diligence. His trial finally began in October 1998, seven years after his extradition from Canada. Despite the video evidence and information in Lake's voluminous diaries, Ng maintained that he was merely an observer and that Lake planned no. and committed all of the kidnappings, no, rapes, How and murders. How about all of the witnesses that described the Chinese man? an Asian man? Yeah. Uh, so his contention was that he did all of those things unassisted. And he, I just watched. Yeah. For S&Gs. He further maintained that he was dependent upon Lake for direction 
that the abuse he suffered at the hands of his father was a mitigating factor, and that his good behavior behind bars showed that he should be imprisoned for life rather than executed. Mm. Good behavior as in, like, the shit you were collecting to escape? Right. Or the time you escaped uh, military justice? Right, right. Or the time you fled to Canada? Right. Yeah, good behavior. Or all the women that you raped and killed and babies? Yeah. Sir? A psychiatrist that testified on Ng's behalf... Why would you do that? ...claimed that he had dependent personality disorder. Michael, don't look over here when you say that. Don't you do- don't look at me. I'm looking at you. Don't look at me. I'm looking I'm at looking you. At you I'm looking, looking at, at you. I'm looking at you. Looking, looking at, at me. me. Looking at you. Yeah, I'm just a dude disguised as another dude dressed <laughs> up as another dude. Um. So, but when questioned by prosecutors, the psychiatrist had to admit that he hadn't seen the tapes of Ing participating in the crimes. Well, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Another clinical psychologist agreed with the dependent personality disorder diagnosis, but indicated that Ng's behavior on the tapes, which he actually watched, demonstrated, quote, mirroring actions, doing what Lake did in order to please him. Ng insisted on taking the stand in his defense. Oh, God. Which allowed prosecutors to introduce additional evidence (laughs) that helped define Ng's role in all aspects of the crimes. Just say no comment and plead the fifth, you idiot. Don't go on the stand. One significant item was a photo of Ng in his prison cell with cartoons he had sketched of his victims hanging on the wall behind him. No! Yes. These guys are so fucking dumb! Yeah. And... If memory serves, I haven't looked at the photos yeah. yet, which I'll try to find some to include in the Instagram post when, when I post it. Um, but back when I first heard about it, if memory serves, the pictures weren't that bad. Like there wasn't doubt of who these things could no. be. No, It's it's not like it's me up there drawing stick figures right. and saying, that's my, those are my victims. Right. These were like, you can tell that this is a person. Oh my God. Uh, this is a yeah. Dick Allen standing in yeah. front of his fucking mugshot. Yeah. Delphi dick. Yeah. At one point during the trial, Ng somehow managed to obtain the phone number of one of the jurors. <laughs> Come on, guy. He contacted the juror at home in an unsuccessful attempt to cause Witness a mistrial. Tampering. The judge wasn't hearing it, though. The judge was like, nice yeah. fucking try, yeah. buddy. Yeah, We're good, good try. pressing forward. In February 1999, Ng was... <laughs> Is he- was he like, Judge, we we need a mistrial. My attorney contacted yeah. one yeah. of the jurors. Yeah. Get out of here. He can't be controlled, Your Honor. Oh. My attorney is not listening to me, and he's going rogue, <laughs> sir. In February 1999, Ng was convicted of 11 of the 12 homicides. Six men, three women, and two male infants. Oh, no. Jurors found him not guilty on the 12th charge, the murder of Paul Cosner even though Lake and Ng had driven Cosner's car for seven months since he went missing in November 84. And Cosner's California driver's license had been found at the cabin. Well, does that mean that Ng killed him, though? Right. Okay. That may have been just Lake did this one on his own. Right. Maybe he did it before they hooked up. Maybe he went out and had a night to himself, Michael. Right. We don't know. Ng was sentenced to death. And the yeah. presiding judge rejected a motion to reduce the sentence to life imprisonment. No. Saying, quote, 
Mr. Ng was not under any duress, nor does the evidence support that he was under the domination of Leonard Lake. Right. Ng Good job. remains on death row now at San Quentin now? State Prison. No executions have taken place in California since 2006. Get the fuck out of here. On July 28th, 2022, mm. the California Supreme Court upheld Ng's death sentence and conviction. Ng still has other federal appeals in spite of a moratorium on the death penalty in by Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. So if he's not governor anymore, it may come back. Here's a weird question. If you're... Hmm. On death row, but there's no death penalty in your state, you well, just stay there. <clears throat> well, could you? <laughs> or could the family, the victims... File cruel and unusual. Say... Fourth Amendment violation. What if he's transferred out of state? Can you transfer him to an out-of-state prison that has the death penalty? And then, bye. It's true. Can you do that? Probably. Because they do move them around, yeah. but you have to stay in the same state, though. No, right? No. They can move prisoners around. I feel yeah. like... Yeah. Hmm. I, I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. I don't think they're just trading them like basketball players. No, but, but I mean, <laughs> it's I not think, fantasy football, Mike. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think they're doing that willy-nilly, but I think from population control, from probably types of prisons, types of crimes, right. all that kind of stuff. There's, so, I mean, what it, mm, I, yeah. maybe it got transferred to somewhere yeah. that like Texas or that's, something. That's an interesting question. Mm, I'm yeah. an interesting girl. <laughs> Some might say. Understatement. Others. I never even crossed their mind, yeah. Michael. Understatement. <laughs> Understatement. But that was the shortened version of the story of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. That was nutty. Yeah. And in-depth and great job. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. I'm sure. There's a lot more more that I don't even want to dive into right now. There's Mm. there's details that you can just wallow in or you can just hit the highlights. Yeah. uh, I'm trying to like pick myself up out of this rainy, gross weather that we've been having. Because as that super energetic opening told us, <laughs> this is still a humor podcast a little bit. Sometimes. A little bit. Well, so. because death and murder and rape and kidnapping and robberies and stuff, it's heavy shit, yeah. man. I mean, so, two babies died in this Yeah, one. <laughs> like, God, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So, yes, we make jokes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It brings a little levity to yeah. these horrible fucking stories. Yeah. You know? Mm, not yep. good. Not not good at all. Well, guys. Uh... For more not good things, <laughs> follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. MAF Podcast Show. Yeah. As also mentioned earlier by the talented and lovely Joanne. Oh, thank you. You can email us, mafpodcastshow at gmail.com. They have YouTube, Murder Monks Friends Podcast. Yep. Yep. And subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Yeah. And uh, I think the moral of the story here, guys, don't put an ad in the newspaper. Stay out of the forest department stores that yeah. sell salmon in a tin. <laughs> Salmonella, more like. And uh, and uh, don't do crimes. Yep. Okay. And don't read books. You can read all the dirty <laughs> fantasy books that you want. Just don't try. Boys, the things that you see in porn is not real life. Okay? Don't try that shit at home because nobody wants it. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.